Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. guys all know me. Many of you do, and you're like, yeah, yeah, Brandon, but some of you may not know me. So my name is Brandon Theobald, and uh, primarily um, I'm the youth pastor. So work with uh, junior hires and high school students here. And um, my family's kind of deserted me for the most part today. And so uh, if you don't know who I am and who I identify with many times, it's uh, this this tribe right here. And um, my wife went up to Wisconsin to be with her mom who had a knee replacement, and so she took three of the kids, the youngest girls, who we homeschool, and uh, my two oldest boys, Spencer and Jesse, are in college, so they're off to school. One's in Arkansas, one's in Texas, and uh, very proud of them. And then um, Karn and Josiah and Ezra are here with me today, and so that's all. I only have three of the eight kids. Um, I share this with you because of the message I'm going to be sharing today, uh, and just the the name of who our God is. And uh, I don't share this to say, "Hey, look here, um, this is my family, and we're great," or anything like that. I just share it to say, "This is part of uh, my life, and uh, I'm very spread out, and uh, uh, it's very challenging of all the things that I have in life to do to be a dad." And to care for kids who are 21 all the way down to the age of five, uh, that's a lot of challenges. And uh, being involved in a lot of people's lives. And anyway, so that's kind of introduction of me. And I had a great father and a great mom. And I'm very thankful to them. Uh, and just what they taught me and how they poured into my life. Um, have some godly grandparents very thankful for them and how they've poured into my life as well. So that's a little bit of my family and who I am and um, the things that I'm involved in as far as being a father and, and trying to care for them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you, our God and our King, the one who is great, the one who is mighty, the one who is creator of all. Lord, I thank you so much for the family that you've given to me. Um, thank you for uh, my boys and how they're doing, and I pray for health for Jesse today. As he's not feeling very well, Lord, I just pray that you strengthen him. I thank you for the opportunity that my wife got to go to Wisconsin to be with her parents, and uh, I pray, Father, for health um, for my mother-in-law. pray that she does well with physical therapy. God, I thank you for Karen leading a a Sunday school class and her friends and teaching them about you and your word and thankful God for for that and how you're working in her um, I'm just thankful for my kids God and thankful for what you're doing and I just pray that you continue to draw them unto yourself make them more like you and may they grow up to be men and women of God father I pray for uh, all the children in this room today and I pray blessing over them. 
I pray that they would know your love, your care. And uh, I pray that they would see you as their Heavenly Father. Father, teach us more about who you are today. And as we're learning about God and who He is, um, may our hearts be drawn to you. May we long to just be with you, spend time with you. I pray that your Spirit work in me and work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe as we get to know who God is, for who He really, for who He really is, according to God's Word, He describes Himself to us. I believe that as we get to know Him, we will not be able to help but fall deeper in love with Him um, and want to worship Him. This is a worship service. We come today to bring worship. He is worthy. We come today to worship Him, knowing that we are needy. And He is an awesome God, a mighty God. Matt's been talking about different attributes of who God is. The first one that he brought forth, I would say maybe it's not necessarily attribute, but is a name of God as Creator. God is Creator, and he brought us to Genesis chapter 1. God is Creator. The Hebrew word for that is Elohim. Elohim. That's the first introduction to us as we read the Bible. Elohim. God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim created. Elohim said, let there be light, and there was light. Elohim said this, and said this, and there was, and he saw that it was good. And it continually says the word Elohim, which is creator, creator. Um, Matt taught us that God is provider, and we, the, the, the word there is Jehovah Jireh. Genesis 22:14 is kind of that key key passage where Abraham takes Isaac to sacrifice him and then God provides out of obedience and then God provides a ram for him. So he's the provider, Jehovah Jireh. God is protector, defender. Um, as I looked, up, looked this up, it comes from 1 Samuel 1 verse 3 is where this, this I can't even say the word, Jehovah Sabaoth or something like that is where that word comes up. And it means the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. And I think the great illustration in the Bible of that is Second Kings 6, verse 17, where, uh, is it Elijah? I always get Elijah and Elisha mixed up, sorry. But one of them prays that he, the servant's eyes would be open and he would see the armies of God all around them to protect them. Uh, Matt's taught us that God is holy. Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah saw God in His holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy, an attribute of God. God is righteous, a righteous judge, and He is just. God is love, Matt brought last week from 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 15. God is love. You want to know what love is? Don't look at the world. Look at who God is, for He's the very essence of love. That's who God is. Many of the things Matt will be sharing of who God is are attributes of God. But today I want to bring to you not an attribute, but I'm going to say a name of God. What is God's name? You ever thought about that? That's kind of a tough one to answer. God. <laughs> and 
as you think about the Bible and what does it call God, we have Elohim in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it doesn't say the word just Elohim. It doesn't say the word just God. But in reference to the fact he's now created man, he is referred to as, in my Bible it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord God, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, Jehovah and Yahweh the same, okay? Yahweh Elohim. That is, Yahweh is uh, the self-existent one, the covenant God. The self-existent one who is a covenant God, a covenant-keeping God. A covenant-keeping God is a God who is a promise-keeping God. Now there's relationship between man and God because he created man. And therefore he goes from creator only to Yahweh creator, which is now covenant keeping God. I'm in relationship with man. And it's so interesting to me that from Genesis 1 we go from just Elohim to Yahweh Elohim. Because of that uniqueness of being the self-existent one that is wanting and longing to be in relationship and keep his covenants and promises to us. It's interesting to think, well, how do we come to know who this God is and what his names are from the Old Testament? Many people have studied Old Testament and find out there's different names for who God is. One of them is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God provided. One of them is that God is uh, something like our banner, um, our righteousness. And there's all these... uh, Hebrew words that I'm not going to be able to pronounce for you. You can look those up probably online of names of God and come up with those. It's interesting to find out these names. But what do you call God? What's his name for you? Exodus chapter 3, I think it's verse 15, shares with us that his name that he will be known by is this Yahweh, Jehovah. For, for generation to generation, that will be the name that he's known by. The covenant-keeping God. The God who desires to have relationship with man. The self-existent one. Different than us. We had a creator. Everything has creator. Except for God himself, the self-existent one. But again, what do you call God? Do you have a name for him outside of these? Um... God is our Father. Why do we call God our Father? I want you to think about that. When did that come about? I didn't look to find out where's the first time it was used in the Bible. I believe it uses it in Psalms, our Father. Um, But the one who really came to mind for me as I was studying this and thinking about it is Jesus. And Jesus referred to God as his father. And he didn't just say his father or he didn't just say my father. But oftentimes he said your father. It's interesting that Jesus taught the people of the time that it's your father. Not just mine. He's guiding me, leading me, 
I have relationship with Him. But your Father. It's your Father that does this or does that or desires this. Um, that's kind of pushing to the theme of this morning and seeing God as our Father and what that looks like. But I want to I want to back up just a little bit and think about the idea of him being father. I think that can have a lot of different uh, meanings or thoughts. And one of them can be the fact that he simply is our creator. God, our creator, so he's the father of. He's the originator of. Um, if you look at James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift, we're going we're gonna to open the Bible and dig into it in a little bit. Is when I get to this main theme. But right now I'm just going to throw out some verses like James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so he's the Father of the heavenly lights, meaning the Creator, the one who originated, made them. And so we can see God as simply Father, Creator. You see yourself as, potentially, you see yourself as a father because you have children. You were involved in creating, bringing about these children. So just because they're yours, you're their father. That's one way that we can see God. Um, Genesis chapter 1. God said all these things. He's creator. Okay? Um, We can see him being our father in the sense that he is the final authority. Uh, maybe you as a child understands, yeah, dad's the final authority. And I've tried to teach my kids in my house, who's the boss? Mom is. Well, who's the bigger boss? <laughs> dad is. Who's bigger than dad? God is. <laughs> Not mom. God is. <laughs> Alright? And to teach that authority that mom, dad, and God... And God has that final authority. And I hope that you can see from God's word, and I hope you can see from the example of Jesus, if you study the Gospels, that Jesus submitted himself to the Father. He came to do his Father's will. He spoke only as the Father directed him. He did only as the Father led him. He went and prayed to the Father. Why in the world does he have to pray? He's God, right? No, he... He came in submission to the Father and the Father's authority over him. So we can look at the name Father, we call God Father, see him not only as our creator, originator of us, the one who made us, but we could also see him as the one who's in authority. He has the final authority. Um, I think of um, Mark, bear with me on this one, Mark chapter 14, turn there, Mark chapter 14. Verse 35 and 36. Going a little farther, this is Mark 14, 35 and 36. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground. This is Jesus. And he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. 
Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And if you know the Bible, this is the part, this is the time where Jesus is in the garden and he's praying out to Abba, Father. And he's begging him, take this pain and this agony and this plan of dying on a cross, take it away. I don't want to have to bear this pain, and I don't want to have to go through this at all. Take it away, will you? But not my will be done, your will be done. And he's acknowledging that I come underneath your authority. You're the Father, and I, I will obey you. I think of that as kind of a great example, following underneath the authority there. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, turn there, verse 9. Hebrews 12:9. The hard part when you study about who God is or what his name is, you just have to flip all over the Bible. You can't just go to one spot in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. I'm jumping right in the text. So we're kind of, maybe you're not in with what's going on, but hopefully I can help you out with that. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? This speaks of a father who's a disciplinary father. Not only is he father because he's creator, not only is he father because he has authority, not only, not only those things, but he's, he's our father because he's the one who disciplines his children. And if you're a child of God, he loves you, and out of love, he disciplines you. And that's what fathers do, and he gives you the example that that's what fathers on the earth strive to do. Not because they hate their kids, but because they love their kids. Did you hear that, kids? Your parents discipline you because they love you. They want what's best for you. Our Father knows what's best. Romans 8:28. He works all things out for the good of those who love Him or are called according to His purpose. God has a good plan in mind for you. If you think, potentially, I pray, that your dad has a good plan or good desires and good thoughts for you, man, even the Heavenly Father has greater plans and greater thoughts for you. And if that means that he must discipline you to get you there, our good heavenly Father will do that. And that's not hate, that is love. It is loving to bring discipline to us, to make us more like him, make us more like Christ. That is his desire. The Father's desire is not always to make us happy. The Father's desire is to make us holy. Which that means discipline is going to have to come from the Father unto us. Alright? It's a good example for us too. As I said, being a father is a tough thing to do. But one thing, one application of today's lesson is this. He's a good, good father. He's a holy father. We should learn from him. And live the godly example of what it means to be a father as unto our children. And that means that What does it look like, God, to lovingly discipline my kids? We need to learn from God and how he's done that. God disciplined the Israelites because of one thing. 
He wanted relationship with them and he wanted them to be close to him. And when they served other gods, other idols, God brought down the hammer. And he did that because he is a jealous God who longs to have relationship with his children. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. And if that means I have to discipline them to bring them unto me because I know what's best for them, then I'll do that. All right? And that's what, that's what he did. So maybe you see God as creator. Father, my creator. See God as father, the one who's the final authority. I will submit. Or the one who disciplines. But this one's my favorite. This idea of, of father... This one's my favorite, so I'll, I'll exp- explain this one to you a little bit further from an example. When I was in college, I went to John Brown University. Coolest experience ever. If, you've, if you're looking for a college, I really encourage you to go to a Christian college or at least think about it. Because when I went and visited this Christian college, freaked me out. I walk into a class to experience what a Christian college class is like, and I was in some like business class as an example. And the teacher up front, okay, have you, I went to public school all my life. The teacher up front before class started said, let's pray. And then started praying out loud in class. Now, I have been trained all of my life that when you go to school, you don't pray. At least the teachers don't pray. Maybe you can pray to yourself when you're getting ready to take a test or something. But teacher doesn't pray out loud. And I couldn't close my eyes. I sat there just with my eyes open like, what is going on? (laughs) This teacher is praying in school. And it was a neat experience. But I went to a Christian college and uh, we had chapels. I don't remember. I think it was twice a week we had chapel. And this older guy was one of the professors. They would ask him to come up in front of chapel and pray. There's like 1,000, 1,200 people in chapel. Older guy comes up to the podium and he says, let's pray. Beginning of chapel, let's pray. And then he would pause. And then he would say, Daddy. And then he would just start praying. I thought, that is the weirdest thing. (laughs) This old man stands up front and says, Daddy. What in the world? And then he just starts saying, and I'd never heard that before. Never in my life had heard that before. But I want to take you to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 15 and 16. Romans eight fifteen and 16 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I want to dig into this a little more. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Uh, Again, we've jumped into the context. The context of this is talking about the fact that no longer because you are God's, you are in Christ. You don't have to live in this sin pattern anymore. 
you can come out and away from this sin pattern. When we choose to live in sin, it brings this feeling of fear or maybe judgment or condemnation that's going to come upon me if I continue to live in sin. This I feel bad. And he's saying here, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. It's kind of like I have to follow the law, and if I don't follow the law, I have the fear that comes inside of me. I don't have to live with that anymore. I have received, let's see, but you have received the spirit of adoption. We are adopted. I don't know if you understand what that's like to be adopted. And for me, it was quite the experience. I haven't been adopted as as my daughter Ellie's been adopted. But we went and adopted a little girl from China. And just the process of that and what goes on, it really makes you think. I didn't get to choose her. She was chosen for me. The authorities of China, they just said, this is the one. She's yours. And we... But I did get to choose her because there was a day when they said, here she is. And I didn't even understand this as I was walking all through it. Here she is. Come back tomorrow and we'll sign the legal papers. And then she'll be officially yours. Well, I didn't realize what they do is they give you 24 hours. You come back 24 hours later to the same place, this legal place, and they look at you and they say, you satisfied with her? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I choose her, and that was that to me. That was the time where they're saying, "Do you choose her as your daughter?" And well, I'd already chosen her. We'd already made the commitment that we were going to adopt her, and she was going to be ours. She was going to become a Theoboth. And it was kind of at that very moment they're like, "Well, you know what happens now? This means that you pay for her food, you buy her clothes, you take care of her health care needs." And they went through all this list. You now are responsible. She is yours. And we're thinking, uh, well, we know. That's what we came here for, is to come get this little girl. But it just really drove in that I have chosen her, and she is my daughter. She is mine. And that we, God, we have been given the Spirit inside of us if we have Christ as our Savior. And we have been adopted. You know what that means? We've been chosen. We've been accepted. We are His. I've never felt more accepted in my life than the time when my grandpa, who I never knew, never knew. I didn't know my grandpa. My dad didn't know my grandpa because he left when my dad was two years old. My dad had a little bit of bitterness in his heart about this because my grandpa lived in the Peoria area but had nothing to do with us, never contacted us. There was no, no relationship. My grandpa, Dean, on my mom's side, my mom's, my mom's dad. Oh, man, Dean wanted to find this will. Grandpa will. You know why? He just wanted to let him know, you're really missing out on your son's life, buddy. My dad. Missing out on John. He's a great guy. You need to get to know him. Well, my grandpa Dean was suffering a little bit from the mind and not, you know, dementia kind of stuff. He had to go to a doctor's appointment. He went to a doctor's appointment in Peoria. And uh, before he went, he chose that he was going to go to Perkins early that morning. 
shows up at Perkins and sits down by himself. And there was another older man sitting by himself. And the other older man says, hey, why don't you come on over here and sit with me? We can sit together. So these two old men sat together. What's your name? My name's Dean Sieber. What's your name? Will Theobald. What in the world? My grandpa's sitting across from each other. Never knew Will Theobald. Didn't know anything about him. Had seen a picture in the paper before. Not a bad one. He liked to go out dancing and have fun, and so he was in the paper. Um, But they're sitting across from each other. And you know what my grandpa Dean said? We nicknamed him Mean Dean. Mean Dean said to him, Buddy, you are missing out on your son John. And you need to get to know him. And Grandpa Will was like, I'm here every morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, if he wants to come see me. And uh, so anyways, Dean comes back and tells this story to my family and um, we didn't know to believe him or not because he had always wanted to meet this guy. We're thinking, is he suffering from dementia so much he's made this story up? And I, my mom called me. My dad wanted nothing to do with him. My dad was just a little uneasy about this. I'm not sure he should have been reaching out to me all these years. He never has. My mom called me and let me know. Well, I think it was the day or the two days before I had prayed, God, this Will guy is probably getting older, and I would love to get to know him, love, know how, love to know how his health is, and I'm kind of curious if he knows Jesus. And then my mom let me know that Grandpa Dean found him, and I could go see him. So I went. I showed up at Perkins one, one morning real early with my wife, and there he was. I knew it was him because I'd seen the picture of him in the paper, so I went and I sat. I, uh, Janelle and I, we ordered, and then we looked over at him. We... Wait a little bit, and then I went over and introduced myself. I said, I don't care about what's gone on in the past, but I'd like to get to know you a little bit. So we talked a little bit. Things went, I kind of, you know, smoothed things over a little there, and it was all right. Before he got up, we went and ate our food, he ate his, and he got up, and before he left, he came over to me, And he called over his favorite waitress. I guess he had this favorite waitress. He called her over and he said, I don't remember her name. We'll just call her Julie. He said, Julie, this is my grandson. And he put his arm around me. And I had never felt more like, wow, this is what it means to be accepted, loved, included. He's mine. And I think that's what this is right here. Romans chapter 8. That's the feeling that you should receive when you read Romans chapter 8. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You are His. He is your daddy. I never grew up calling my dad daddy. I always call him Paul. Not Paul. Some high school kid thought my mom's boyfriend was Paul. No, it's Paul, all right? (laughs) Um, But to be able to reach out to our daddy, 
knowing that He ultimately cares for us, embraces us, owns us, longs to have this intimate relationship with us. And what did Jesus cry out in Mark chapter 14 when He was about to go to His death? He cried out to His Daddy, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. Abba, Father, Daddy, I cry out to you. I don't want to endure this anymore. I don't want to have to do this. But your will be done, not mine. And Jesus set the example for us. That we too can cry out to God. Not as Elohim, Creator. Or Almighty God, the one who could destroy me. Or... Oh, just and righteous God. Or, Father, I come before you today. No, no. You have the privilege and the right and the, the awesome privilege to go to him and say, Daddy, here's what's going on in my life. Here's my struggles and here's my needs. I need to know that you care for me, that you're holding me, that you're walking with me. As you think of Jeanette Holvey this week, pray for her because Bob Holvey passed away. That's what these flowers are here for. But this is a perfect time for her to be able to cry out, Daddy, walk with me, hold me, embrace me. And He loves you. He loves you and He cares for you. and It's an awesome thing. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John 3. Verse 1. I believe this verse is so encouraging, is so uplifting. First John 3, verse 1. For it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. And I just think of a waterfall that just never stops. And it's enormous and huge and just keeps a flowing and flowing and flowing. How great is the love that the Father just continually pours out on us. The Father, Daddy, pours out on us that we should be called children of God. You know who he is? He's a child of God. You know who he is? He's mine. He's mine. He's my child. And that's what Jesus, or that's what God the Father is able to do and look down upon us when we accept this love that's been poured out for us. When we accept it, we then become adopted and we become his child. There's some things of application I want to bring to you. And the number one thing I want to bring to you for application today is this. If he is father and the one that we can call daddy, I just ask you, are you his child? Are you adopted? It's really crazy that Jesus looked at some guys right in the face and he said, your father is the devil. Holy cow, that's just what in the world. Jesus looks at some guys and says, your father's the devil. And you speak just like he does. He's the father of lies. 
I don't want your father to be the devil. I want your father to be God. Daddy, creator, Yahweh. The one who desires to have a relationship with you. But Jesus looked at those guys and said that because they were religious people. But they did they chose to not believe in what God was doing as bringing in bringing his one and only son the Messiah to the earth. They chose not to believe that. They chose not to submit to Jesus. And so that's why he said that to them. But the application this morning is is God your father and are you his child? Well, there's only one way to become his child. You can't be a good person. None of us are good. There's only one way to become his child. And that's to allow the love that he demonstrated for you to be yours. What is that? That's Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for sin. Because sin deserves penalty because God is a just God as we've learned. He's a just God who's going to deal with sin. Do you know why Jesus died? Jesus died for me that's what we say so often and he did because he loves you but jesus died for god someone said that and i was like what in the world are you talking about god is not a sinner he didn't need god to jesus to die jesus died for god to satisfy god's wrath that would come upon sin because god is a just god so the cross is really an amazing thing It is a symbol of love, and at the same time, it's a symbol of justice. The only way that you can become a child of God, as it says in, I believe it's John chapter 1, verse 12, is by believing. And if you believe in the name of the Son of God, which is Jesus, what He did on the cross for you, dying and taking your sin, paying the penalty for your sin, if you believe in what He did for you, Asking him to forgive you, you will become a child of God. Now I want you to know that he didn't just die, but he rose from the dead. He's a living God. Jesus is is alive. And he provides eternal life. So that we too can have not just forgiveness, but that we can have eternal life. Are you a child of God today? At ten years old, in bed with my mom and dad, I prayed and said, God, I believe. I know I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus as my Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins. Come into my life. Be my daddy. And so at 10 years old, I became a child of God. Are you a child of God? Because if you are, there's so many blessings. There's so much in store for you. There really is. Number two application is this. Some of you have been thinking, man, my dad, my earthly dad was a mess or a wreck or not worthy of even calling my father. And you've been thinking, this whole idea of calling him my daddy, I don't get that. Because your daddy didn't really show you what it's like to be a loving, caring, godly father. And so, I want you to know the Bible teaches us that kind of father that you're thinking of, that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible talks about our father, our heavenly father, as one who loves and cares and embraces and chooses and forgives. And I want to bring the application a little bit further and say this. Men, 
We need to be faithful fathers to our children. Because we're showing our kids what God is like. That's huge. That's a huge responsibility, isn't it? If we love our kids, our kids are going to see the Heavenly Father is loving. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in this. I'm saying that this is something that I'm learning and growing in and asking God, help me. Daddy, help me to understand what it's like to be a good dad to my own kids. So number one application, are you his child? I pray that you receive Jesus as your Savior today. Number two is, let's live as a, as a godly father if you are a father. And number three, application, Jesus was willing to follow his father and obey him. And he's part of the Godhead. We too need to be willing to do the same. Let's be willing to, when our father leads us this way, we obey. When our father directs us in this way, we obey. We are his children. Therefore, we should be obedient as unto him, our father, and desire to be like him, just as a little kid desires to be like his dad. Desire to be like him. And one last application is this. It's always cool when your kids want to spend time with you. Spend time with your daddy this week. All right? How can you do that? Pick up the letter that he wrote to you, the love letter, and read it. And when you don't get it, read it again. Because that's what you did when you were falling in love with some lady. You picked up her love letter that she sent to you and you read it over and over again. I guess today it would be text. You picked up that text and read it over and over again. But spend time with your daddy, your father right here. Get to know him. Thank him. Honor him. Obey Him. Thanks for coming today and worshiping Him. I like, to, I like to remind us that that's why we're here. We're here to worship Him. And uh, praise team can come forward. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to stand up and we're going to say this prayer together. Jesus looked at us and He taught us how to pray and he didn't say, say creator, say almighty God. He said, say it like this. Ready? Let's go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When you pray this week, pray to your daddy father. Daddy, thanks for loving us. Thanks for accepting us, not for who we are as rotten sinners, but You've chosen us to be your children in the midst of our sin, and you chose to forgive us. God, today I pray that there would be someone that would 
bow their knee and choose to say, God is my Father. Not because He's just my Creator, but because I want Him to lead me and I want to follow Him. Father, I pray that Your Spirit would work in someone's heart today and that they would choose You just as You have chosen them. Help us to understand what it means to walk with You and to love You as you love us. And I'm so grateful and so thankful that we can have this intimate, close, parent-child relationship. And that you know what's best. That you're going to guide us and lead us. And God, we trust you. God, I pray for those who are hurting today, emotionally struggling. When our kids emotionally struggle, they cry out, Daddy, Mom. And Lord, I pray that these people are able to cry out to you and that you would comfort them and give them compassion, strengthen them and uplift them. Father, you know who I'm thinking of within our church body. They're hurting. Come alongside of them. In Jesus' name.